Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We called this series All Things because of the verse in Philippians 4 that says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We want you to know, as you head into 2019, that no matter what you find, no matter what comes against you, no matter what situation you are in, no matter what phone call you get, no matter what unexpected thing pops up in your life, guess what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of you. Wow. How good is that? Yes. The context the Apostle Paul was using when he penned this verse was that it didn't matter what came up against him. In every circumstance, he says, filled or hungry, living in abundance or suffering, whatever, with Christ strengthening him, he could face anything. And it's the same for you today. You may feel it, you may not. I'm telling you the truth. With Christ strengthening you, you can face anything. And overcome it. Great. Okay. So we're looking at uh, Philippians 2. We did Philippians 1 last week. 3 next week, 4 the week after. So we're just going to look today at a couple of, of the main themes. I am not doing an inductive Bible study because that's not the way I preach. You don't want me to do it. It would not be good. Jesus is the focus point of this chapter. It looks at Jesus, uh, at the example that he is to us on how to live. He is the example, he is the focal point, he is the goal, and Jesus Christ is the prize. He is always our focal point, he is always the goal, and he is the prize. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. So we're looking at two things that we see in this uh, this chapter. The first thing is humble servant. Jesus was a humble servant. Aren't they nice words? Don't you think they're nice words? A humble servant. You know what? They're nowhere near as easy to do as they are to say. Has anyone found that? I have found that. Humility and servanthood run smack bang up against the spirit of entitlement that most of us have to face and deal with every day. Anyone found that? There's a spirit of entitlement in Canberra, definitely. A few few laughs, yes, there is. I'm sure it's everywhere else as well, but it's definitely here. The city is full of entitlement Entitlement is the belief that I am immune from responsibility and I am owed special treatment. Yeah. An entitled person believes I'm special, 
I deserve special treatment. And really, quite frankly, you're just lucky to have me. You're lucky that I showed up today. That's what they believe. For an entitled person, life is all about what they want and nothing is ever their fault. Don't look at anyone and don't hit anyone next to you. The entitled person sees a problem at work and thinks, this cannot be my fault. And they miss the reality that it is their attitude that, cause, that is causing a great deal of the problem. Another entitled person sees their struggling marriage and thinks, when they apologise, then I will. Instead of seeing that, that they need to fix whatever they have broken in the relationship, regardless of what their spouse does. Another entitled person thinks, the rules, well, the rules don't apply to me. And they are just totally shocked. Shocked that they fail the course. But they didn't hand, hand in any of the assessment. It's a shock. How can it be? I'm special. This does happen, you know. I have heard stories. They're shocked when, people, when they treat people badly and then people don't want to be with them. A young adult person living at home with an entitled attitude may say, well, why should I pay rent? I mean, I didn't ask to be born. And it's their house and they're going to keep the house when I leave. And why can't mum just do my washing when she washes for dad because, you know, it'll save power and I'm just looking out for them. You get the picture. An entitled person goes from church to church, never settling anywhere because no one understands how special they are and recognises their special gift. We're all special. Entitlement causes us to give the minimum, find the shortcut, think only of ourselves. And at the heart of entitlement is this great word called pride. Isaiah 47 says this in the message version, you thought you knew so much and had everything figured out. What delusion. Smugly telling yourself, I'm number one. There's nobody but me. I'm number one. There is nobody but me. That is the spirit of entitlement. What I want is all that matters. There is no one but me. And so Paul, the apostle, reminds us in Philippians 2 that Jesus came with the total opposite attitude when he came to earth. He came with the total opposite spirit. And he tells us, he says, guys, you need to have the same attitude and the same spirit that Jesus had. An entitled person believes they are special and they deserve special treatment. Now the difference here is this. Jesus was special. And he did deserve special treatment. He did. And he was. But look what, look at this, Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude. It's all about our attitude. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God. He was God. When he put skin on and came to earth, 
You know, trumpets should have blasted. People should have dropped to their knees when he arrived. This is God coming to us. But what did he do? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He didn't think about his rights. He didn't think I'm special. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, not only did he become a human, but the Bible says he humbled himself even more. The shame, the pain, and the humiliation that he experienced when in obedience to God, he died a criminal death on the cross. That is our God. Paul says to the Philippians, look at Jesus. What he did, what he did is the key to successfully navigating life. It's the key to successfully navigating relationships. It's the key to dealing with other people. Act like Jesus. Have the same attitude that Jesus had. I love this quote. You will have heard me say it before. There are two types of people. Those that walk into the room and say, here I am. And those that walk into the room and say, ah, there you are. What type of person are you? Are you a, here I am. Or a, ah, there you are. Jesus was a, ah, there you are person. It wasn't all about him. It was all about them. One of the regular scriptures I use when I do a wedding ceremony comes from Philippians 2. I love Philippians 2. There's so much in Philippians 2. I'm glad I got to preach from Philippians 2. But I use this scripture regularly. It's uh, Philippians 2, 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. This is the key to successful relationships. It's one of them. This is one of the, the keys to a successful marriage or relationship. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. Your marriage works the way that God intended. When I'm looking out for Paul and his interests, and his needs, and he's looking out for me, and my interests, and my needs, then that's how relationships are supposed to work. So when he says to me, babe, I've got to go and clean the gutters of this house. This happened during the week. Do you want to come? Darling, that's the most romantic thing you've ever said to me. I went, no, I don't want to come. Because I know what you're going to do. You're going to make me hold the ladder and you're going to throw bits of gutter all over, gutter junk all over my head, which he did. And I said to him, as long as you don't put earplugs in your ears and listen to Korean the whole time, as long as you talk to me. He said, okay, I'll talk to you. So that's what we did. That's how you have a successful marriage, people. Just have gutter thrown on your head. 
Not really, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All relationships that are looking out for the needs of other people are relationships that will throw up the other person. Both people. Those relationships will thrive. How can we bless the people in our lives? It's a good question to ask them. Because we want healthy relationships, right? No, none of you do. You want a thriving, healthy, successful relationship, right? You do. Because it will bring the most joy to your life. And if it's not successful and thriving and and working, it will bring the most pain. So let's go success. Let's go thriving. Let's go healthy. Okay. Servanthood and humility work hand in hand. Servant-hearted people are humble people. In this kingdom, in the kingdom of God, servanthood is not something we ever graduate from. So you can go and graduate from all sorts of courses that you do, but can I tell you, you will never graduate from servanthood while you're a Christian, (laughs) ever. Well, I've done my turn at serving. Tick. I've graduated. No, you haven't. Your destiny and my destiny are always found in and connected to our service. I love to tell a story about Bobby Houston. I heard her speak years ago. And she talks about when she was a teenager and she walked into a church and she met Jesus. And she, and she experienced the, the love of the Father and she said it just totally blew her mind. And she was just thought, her first response was, what can I do? How can I give back? And she looked up on the stage and thought, well, I could never do any of that. And she looked around and she made her way into the kitchen and she saw a tea towel. I can do that. And she picked up a tea towel and that's where she started serving. I'm reading through the Bible this year and I'm in Genesis, obviously, at the moment. And I was reading Abraham's servant. When Abraham said to him, go and find a son for me. Go back to where I've come from. Find a son. What am I talking about? Go and find a wife for my son. That's what what happened. Go and find, did any of you pick that up? I hope you did. (laughs) Or else I'll just go and sit down and we've all just finished church. Go and find a wife for my son from where I came from. And I read this prayer that the servant prayed on the day that he went. And I thought, wow, what a servant. The servant said, please, he prayed to the Lord, please grant me success and show love and kindness to my master Abraham. What a servant. Please grant me success and show your loving kindness to my master Abraham. It wasn't about him at all. He just wanted to do what Abraham had asked him to do. You know, the door into your future is a low door. It calls for humility. But serving unlocks destiny every single time. It does. Every time. Continuing with the story of Abraham, the servant prayed the prayer. Rebecca comes up 
And she didn't know that her whole destiny was going to change in one moment. And we do not know. Every day we live our life. We do not know when some, there's going to be a moment that's going to change our destiny forever. And for Rebecca, it was when she opened her heart and served. She, watered some, she gave water to some camels. You can read about it in Genesis if you don't believe me. Jesus was a servant, a humble servant. He came into the world for one purpose, and that was to humble himself and give his life. Matthew 20, but among you it will be different. Jesus was talking to his disciples. And the verses before say, the leaders in the world, they lord it over people. He says, but among you it will be different, guys. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many john 10 18 says this jesus speaking no one can take my life from me i sacrifice it voluntarily you know when we serve We can sort of lose that scripture or forget it. You get a bit antsy. I'm just giving, I'm just giving, I'm just giving, and they're just taking, and they're just taking. You know what Jesus said? He said, no one takes it. They're not taking my life. I'm giving my life. And that's the attitude of a servant. They're They're not taking, taking, taking. I am giving. It's a choice that I make. And how can I make that choice? Because I'm playing to the audience of one, that one. Because he sees everything and he knows everything. And he is where I get all I need from. Not from this. No, not from, other, from him. See, everyone wants to be recognised and thanked. And when we should recognise and thank people. And, but sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. A humble servant is okay with that because they've lost their agenda. And it's not all about them. Okay, the second thing, humble servant. The second thing is obedience. Jesus was a humble servant and he was obedient. John 5. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus took his lead from his father. Not only did he take his lead, he says, I only do what I see the father doing. He was not building something of his. He wasn't wasn't building his own show. A servant obeys. A humble servant obeys, even when it hurts. Jesus said, Father, if it's all possible, can you take this cup from me? But not my will, but yours be done. Obedience. There is so much in obedience. Many, many years ago, Pastor Phil Pringle asked us to help someone start a church in Bondi. And we, actually, we did not want to do it. We did not want to do it. But we prayed about it. And we felt like God say, yeah. Really? It's going to be good for you. It was all sorts of good for us. It was all sorts of, whoa, baby, what, what did we get ourselves in for? 
obedience. Abraham with Isaac. Abraham waited for years and years and years and years and years to get the son. And then the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. And then the angel said, kill him. Pardon? What was that? Really? I would be tempted to block my ears. I would be tempted to pretend I I didn't hear. But Abraham did not do that. He blows me away, that man. His faith and trust in God was so immense. It was humongous. To the natural eye, it looked absolutely wrong. But Abraham, the Bible says, did not lose faith. Are you in a situation today where God has, you, you really believe God has said to you, do this, and you're thinking, oh, oh, really? Really, God? Are you sure, God? To the natural eye, it looks just all bad. Don't lose faith. Because after Abraham's test and obedience, I'm here to tell you sometimes it's it's not always, but sometimes it's just a test. After his test, God said this, this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, I will bless you and I will multiply you. The truth is we we don't know if we've got this obedience thing down until we have the opportunity to obey or to not obey. Before then, we can say all the right words. We can say whatever we want. We can amen whenever we want. We can lift our hands. We can say it all. But if we're not going to say yes and actually do it, what's the point? We're not obedient. It's when he says, lay that down, move over there, take this up, stop doing that. Put those people, they're not good for you. That relationship, it's actually not the right relationship for you. Cut it off. It's not until we obey. The Bible tells us that we are blessed. Obedience to God and his word is a foundational success to life. Okay. Philippians 2 verse 13 says this. We've looked at being a humble servant and being obedient. You might be thinking, okay, well that all sounds great, Mel, but how do I do that? How do I lose that, that entitlement? This scripture is a wonderful scripture. It says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The NLT version says, giving you the desire to do what pleases him. Giving you the desire to do what pleases him. Sometimes we just don't even have the desire to change. But that scripture says, God is at work in you. You don't have to do it all yourself. In fact, you can't do it all yourself. But it's okay because God is at work in you and he is giving you the desire or the will to do what pleases him. 
So as we keep coming to God and saying, God, 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 help me, change me, he says, okay, I will. It's okay, I will. Because without the will to do something, it's not going to happen. You can talk all you want, but unless your will gets involved, it won't change. Be encouraged, God, is it working you? Where, where are you guys? Thanks, Nath. As I finish today, I want to read this verse from Philippians 2, verse 9. Jesus humbled himself. And then it says, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Some days it may look like, no, you have no idea what's going on in the world. Let me tell you something. There will be a day where every knee will bow on heaven, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. His kingdom will come, and His will will be done. Isaiah tells us that for the increase of His government, there will be no end. When He humbled Himself, God elevated him to the place of highest honour. Jesus. It is always all about Jesus. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au We hope to see you in church again this weekend.